Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Adam Collins. I've got Adam White with me. And down the line, we have Todd Greenberg, the Australian Cricketers Association Chief Executive Officer. Good afternoon to you, Todd, in Sydney. How are you, Adam? Nice to chat to you. Yeah, you as well. The last time we caught up was in Umderbud when you were there for the fourth test match earlier this year. And, of course, uh, it's been an incredibly busy year for the organisation and a busy week too, a lot going on with your members, including Usman Khawaja. Let's, let's start there. Um, did you get involved with that at all when Usman Khawaja said that he wanted to wear what became the, the band shoes this week at the uh, Perth Stadium? Yeah, as you'd imagine, we were in pretty regular dialogue uh, with Uzi and uh, we've made it pretty clear we've always supported players to be the best version, the true version of themselves. And Uzi's, as you would know better than anyone, authentic and genuine, uh, probably one of the more that I've met in my time in cricket. And so this particular issue that he's been talking about has affected him very personally, just like it has done many people, both here and abroad. But, you know, as a professional cricketer, I think Uzi deeply also understands that there are ICC rules that we need to abide by. And I thought the way he handled it was both professional and quite mature. So there is an ICC process, and Usman Khawaja has been pretty clear that he wants to look into what might be possible between now and mm. Boxing Day. Do you think that CA should formally advocate on Usman's behalf with the ICC on this before the Melbourne Test match? Well, we'll certainly support Usman uh, with any application that he wants to make uh, to ensure that that application complies and, and gives him the best chance to succeed. Um, mm-hmm. And then ultimately, that's a position that CA and the ICA, ICC will then have to uh, make a determination on. But... You know, I get a sense that some people in um, broader society like to see athletes and profile people provide opinions, but only when those opinions agree with them. Um, And I think it's much better to see people who are authentic like Uzi is. And if he wants to push a particular cause, then we'll support him. It it does. And we spoke about this when we were in India uh, back in March, that, that players do feel more emboldened to engage on topics outside of what would be their, their traditional uh, day-to-day in cricket, right? And more an American situation, I suppose. Is that what you envisage where cricketers, your members, are out there talking about broader issues quite regularly? Yeah, and, and I've maintained very consistently whether it's, you know, Pat talking about his passion for climate change or, or others that they're entitled to have that view. And, and also, on top of that, they use the profile of which they've been afforded as a, a professional cricketer to use that platform. But, you know, the conversations I have with them are to use it wisely and use it respectfully uh, and understand that irrelevant of the position, you're always going to attract some criticism because uh, as, as profile athletes, whether they like it or not, they will come in for personal criticism. They understand that, but they're also mature enough and bold enough to have some opinions. And I think that's really important. As I said, um, 
We want our athletes to be heroes. We want people to look up to them. To do that, we need them to be authentic and we need them to be that uh, regularly and consistently, not just on the simple issues, but maybe more importantly on the more difficult ones. Todd, one of the talking about opinions, one of the other big talking points in the lead up to the game was obviously the, the Mitch Johnson, Dave Warner situation. Two two legends of Australian cricket, and there's a few words spoken. Do you get involved in something like that, or is that just something between Mitch and Dave? Well, first of all, I mean, up up to that point in time, there wasn't many people I didn't think who knew the Perth Test was coming. So I think Mitch did a good job <laughs> of putting him on the pages. So that might have uh, might action. have been some method. Yeah, maybe a bit of method to the madness. Um, but look, my view on this one was Dave and Mitch uh, are both big enough and strong enough to deal with their own issues themselves. Uh, there was no need for us to get involved, certainly not for me personally. We would get involved when uh, on an issue to support a player where they were genuinely distressed or they're anxious. And on this occasion, I didn't see that as one of those. Um, and it wouldn't necessarily be something we'd shoot a press release out on either if we did decide to get involved. Um, you know, for those who are fortunate enough to get to know Dave, as I have over the last couple of years, I had a sense that there was a beginning coming in this test match. Um, and and if you do know Dave well, any form of criticism is only fuel for him. So um, in the end, I think uh, it was good fodder in the media and Dave responded accordingly, which is the best way to respond, which which is by making runs. And that's what we think. We we think now that really Dave's got to buy Mitch dinner or something like that because he gave him the, the fuel to put in his car. Um, that does now mean pretty much it's obvious now that Dave Warner will get that, that farewell test match in Sydney at, at home. How important is that to the just to the, the playing ranks that, that he gets that send-off? Oh, look, I think everyone who, who plays at the highest level, irrelevant of what sport it is, cricket or otherwise, no, there's no fairy tales and you very rarely get to make your own ending. I mean, there's plenty of examples littered through particularly Australian cricket history where some legends have finished not on their own terms. And that's one of the great challenges in professional sporting landscape and why we spend so much time on what we call transition, where where our best players don't choose their own exit. And quite often they finish uh, unhappy or, or bitter or um, you know despondent because they haven't been able to choose. It, it would appear here that David's going to be one of those very rare and special players who will call time on his test career and what a better way, no better way to do it than do it on his home ground in Sydney. Um, there's been a few who've done it, but you don't, you don't see it very often. Um, and a lot of what his earlier comments, you know, I think were very misunderstood. He, he never said that he would finish in Sydney. Uh, he said that he would like to, uh, and he knew that the currency for him to get there was to make sure he scored runs. And if the selectors needed to make a call on that beforehand, uh, that was a completely in their in their jurisdiction, but he knew the best way to stop that was to score runs, and he could he couldn't have started any better in the first innings of the first test by making sure he sent a statement. It's what another strong news line coming through this week from India is the well probability or possibility uh, of there being a, a second IPL window opening up in September and October as of next year. That would mean roughly six months of IPL each year. What, what was your first impression when that came through? Well. My first impression was it was certainly no surprise. Um, this has been building for some time, in our view, and there was uh, always going to be an additional window, which is going to create havoc, I think, uh, on bilateral cricket uh, and the rest of the cricketing community. So it's a real challenge. Um, and it's not something I think we can just simply take a short-term view on. I genuinely think we need to be conscious of ensuring that you know, all of international cricket needs to continue to play really meaningful cricket. Um, so we've seen 
That, I think, really improved with the ICC World Test Championship, which has contributed to test cricket. Mind you, I would say that we need to do more uh, for some other some other countries who are you know, getting further away, I think, in test match cricket, for Red Bull cricket, uh, away from Australia, England, in, England and India. So mm. th- this will be difficult. Uh, it will be uh, obviously lucrative for the very, very elite players, but it will put enormous pressure on boards um, and bilateral cricket all over the world. Yeah, right. So there's that bigger picture consideration. Um, and I suppose, and we've talked about this before as well, Todd, the, the, the need to try and engineer a world where Australian cricketers put Australian cricket first in a world where yep. there's so much money elsewhere. I mean, what processes can you put in place to help safeguard that? Yeah, and, and you would have heard me say, we've had this conversation before, Adam, about the importance of our best players playing in the BBL and, and our best players retaining um, to be playing here in our domestic summer. There's a reason for that because that drives revenues. Revenues then generate remuneration for players and it becomes cyclical. We ensure that they stay here and are retained here. But in a competitive world and a global environment where players are being offered you know, extraordinary amounts of money to go and ply their trade elsewhere, um, that is becoming more challenging by the minute. Um, and the advent of another window will exacerbate that. So uh, I'm not saying we can't... Um, we can't work through it, but it will be a great challenge. And there's a there's a piece missing in this in my mind, which is a strategic mindset about what the schedule looks like, an overlay of bilateral cricket, private T20 entrepreneur cricket, as I would call it, and then mm-hmm. the ICC's world events on top of that, and then you know recently throwing the Olympics on top of that. So there's a it's a big schedule, uh, but it requires structure and it requires a strategic mindset, and it also requires, in my view a bit of give and take to ensure that all of those component parts can work independently of each other. Todd, I can't believe I'm going to say this because I love cricket more than most, but is there a fear that there'll end up being too much cricket? It's great to have all these additional tournaments because the players get paid for it and and that's terrific. But from a, I'm looking at it from a fan point of view that there just becomes this saturation where there's so much that we get sick of it. Is that is that a no is that a concern for players and for you as as head of the ACA? It, it's a concern for players, particularly on workload. Um, it, albeit that you know remuneration goes with workload, but my my firm view on this and has been for a long time is scarcity can be your friend yeah. in, in scheduling and content. Um, and we've got to ensure, and I used this term just a couple of minutes ago, we've got to ensure when we are setting our schedule, we're playing meaningful cricket, which means. It, the games matter and they matter to players and they matter to fans and they're easily understood um, and I get a sense sometimes in our schedule and I say this with the greatest of respect there is some meaningless cricket um, and I think we need to make sure we play more meaningful cricket and we need to be brave and bold in ensuring that we develop content and as I said scarcity sometimes can create a better yield um, let's not just add more on top of more let's think carefully and strategically long term about how this is going to work because I think, Todd, from you coming from another sport where it is seasonal, that we all love our football, whatever code it is, but to actually have to wait for it is actually an exciting thing and it make we get really excited for when it comes around. When there is too much cricket all year round, I'm just worried as we look forward that it's not as special when we come to a, a summer of cricket because we're seeing our stars playing 24, not 24 hours a day, but 12 months of the year. Oh, absolutely, no doubt. I mean, you look at our players just who've walked on, you know, this week for the first test in Perth. I mean, they've just come off an enormous workload. And yeah. Historically, we're not used to that. We're used to seeing our players ply their trade in, in shield cricket and being selected and 
everyone's really anticipating the first delivery. Well, clearly the world's changed. And there's an acceptance that cricket is 12 months of the year now, but inside that 12-month schedule, there, there needs to be some more balance. I mean, um, there's yep. no doubt that a, a modern-day player cannot be playing all three formats uh, and all forms of the game uh, across the next period of time. That next generation will not be able to do what you would say David Warner's done throughout his career. It physically and mentally will not be possible. Back to the Aussie test team. We, we've heard from uh, the ACA that you know, Alex Carey had a pretty tough time of it after what happened in England with him. And, and Nathan Lyon as well, the mental anguish of, of being back home watching the last three test matches. Can you give us a sense of what the ACA does to get involved with their quite, quite high-profile members in situations like that? Yeah, I mean, um, again, Adam, as you, you would appreciate we, we don't put a press release out and we don't talk really above the line about some of the things we do behind the scenes but mm. you're right both those gentlemen you just spoke about um you know have experienced some incredible highs in their careers but in england both of them went through some difficulties you know nathan was you know absolutely shattered at lords um to, to finish that series and you know one thing i've got to know with nathan is uh, behind the scenes his preparation his discipline his attention to detail to get his both mind and body ready again, um, is like nothing I've seen before. And the work he has done uh, on himself to be ready for this series is is mesmerising. And to see him on the verge of that next milestone is just such great reward for someone who does so much work. And the fans will see him and they'll talk about him as the GOAT, but what they don't see is that sacrifice that goes on behind the scenes. And, you know, and, and in relation to Alex, you know, I mean, anyone... I. I you know, I would ask anyone to consider what personal criticism would do to you in the public eye. Um, it's hard. These these guys are great cricketers, are mostly seen as great cricketers, but they're people. They're husbands, they're fathers, um, and they have the same challenges just like you and I, and uh, it's not easy. Uh, and I'm not looking to get um, despondent on these guys, and I'm not looking for uh, any accolades for them or any uh, sympathy or pity, but it's not easy. Um it's not all sunshine and uh, and roses and rainbows out there for them. They they go through ups and downs, and our role is to make sure they know, in times of difficulty, that we've got their back and uh, we'll be there to have those conversations and give them whatever support, whether it's them or others, whatever they need on their journey through. So on day two, there was a there was an an instance where Alex might have taken the stumps and didn't, and there was so much read in, into that uh, and uh, many questions posed. I mean, uh, do you believe there is an ongoing issue with Alex Carey as it relates to dismissals like that, or, or, or do you think that uh, he, he's now got to the point where it's uh, beyond him? No, I, I have no doubt it's well beyond him, um, and I think he's def- definitely moved on. I didn't see any correlation on that particular incident, and you know, I know he was really looking forward to putting his bag green on again and, and getting back in the side, and you only need to see him around his teammates to know how important he is inside the team environment. He creates a very special part of this team. I mean, we've got some very special people on this team, some people that I think will be celebrated and acknowledged long, long into the future and will reflect back on this team, uh, like we have on many of our teams back in the 90s and 80s and, and well before. But you know, Alex is a very important cog in that wheel and um, people shouldn't underestimate the value he has amongst his teammates. We've had an early sample of the BBL for the summer before the, the break, obviously, for the, the Perth Test. Uh, we've had a few challenges as well, particularly down at Geelong. Have you seen the first week or so? Well, it's good to see the BBL back. I mean, I think we're all really disappointed about Geelong. Um, in saying that, though, I think anyone would agree that the safety of players is has to be the number one concern. And the minute that couldn't be assured on the night, which looked 
exactly as it was about to transpire, then the right call was made in our view. Um, but we've got to make sure those sorts of things don't happen. I mean, I understand we're a sport, but I also understand better than anyone that we're in the business of entertainment. Um, and we've got to make sure we give fans what they want. That's why players are always leaning in to make sure they do whatever's required uh, as part of their role. Uh, and it, it wasn't a great look for us in Geelong, um, who those fans only turn up once a year to get their taste of professional cricket in the BBL. So it was very disappointing. But occasionally things are going to happen and uh, Mother Nature will, will, will hurt us. And that's exactly what happened to us in Geelong. And then part of the, I guess, having players available is this whole balance around high performance and getting the mm. players to play. Scotty Boland couldn't play for the Stars just in case he was required in Perth. Nathan Lyon a bit the same. How, how do you see that balance? And do the players want to play more than they're actually allowed to? Yeah, the players want to play. Uh, there's no doubt about that. I haven't met a cricketer who doesn't want to play in the next game, but it's the work and preparation, both mentally and physically, that goes in to be at your best when you're in that performance. Um, and, and that takes some planning. And, and occasionally, players will have to be sacrificed from one format to another in order to get their best. And there's you know big jobs available for people like Andrew McDonald, George Bailey, and Tony Dottermate and others who I think are doing outstanding work and, and are showing a really strategic mindset about the long-term benefit and value of performance of players and making sure that you know, you use the example there of Scotty Boland, when he walks out, that he's physically and mentally able to give his very, very best. Um, and you can't do that if you're playing literally every game every week and then preparing and training for every game and every week. So so thinking more broadly about the schedule, prioritisation of those performances, I think, is hard for a lot of people to get their heads around because cricket's changing. And um, that's the modern-day nature of the game. And I'm, I'm fortunate, I think we are fortunate to have those sorts of people leading some of those decisions. Australia's women are in India at the moment about to play a test match. Uh, pretty much everyone in that side say the same thing when it comes to test cricket. They want to play more of it. And there has mm. been resistance over the years. I know they're playing a test uh, later in the summer here at Perth against South Africa. But, I mean, does the ACA feel like you have a position and a role to play in advancing the cause of women playing more test cricket, the Australian side turning out more often? Uh, absolutely. We've been long-term advocates for multi-format cricket for our female players and Absolutely delighted to see some more Red Bull cricket. I mean, the real challenge is how do we create a deeper pathway for Red Bull cricket for females? Because let's face it, some of them will only play Red Bull cricket in a test match, which you know, sounds so counterintuitive. So um, if we are going to continue to promote long-form cricket, and I'm really pleased Cricket Australia have you know, recently come out and publicly acknowledged uh, multi-format Red Bull cricket for women is also their priority. Um, for a long time, it was the players' priority, but maybe not the governing body. But it's nice to have an alignment with CA on that. I think it's really important. Um, and if you're genuinely talking about gender equity uh, and ensuring that our female cricketers are afforded the same privileges and opportunities as our men, then that naturally follows. So uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing them play well in India. And that'll be a great test for them. Uh, away from home at this time of year, uh, in different conditions, some of our girls will never have played there. So... Uh, great opportunity for them, so uh, and I'm sure they'll do really well under their new captain, uh, Alicia Hewitt. And just quickly, how do you give them a Christmas over there? What, what's the process in making sure they can still celebrate Christmas given they'll be the overseas? That's an unusual situation for the women's side to find themselves in. It is. Well, as you know, we've had a long tradition of uh, Boxing Day tests with our male players and ensuring that they're afforded the opportunity to take family members and loved ones with them into that environment. So we've done the same thing for our female players in India. So there will be a cohort of uh, partners and supporters who'll be with them. But 
there's no doubt for anyone who's experienced, Adam, you're probably more than anyone who's experienced Christmas away from loved ones. Um, uh, it's not easy. So uh, trying to make sure that they have some familiarity and some comforts with them, whilst also trying to make sure they're ready for performance is a real balancing act. But again, part of being a professional elite cricketer at the highest level that you'll quite often be plying your trade well away from home. Uh, Todd Greenberg, you're a busy boy. Thanks for taking some time out to speak with us today on SEN Test Cricket, the Australian Cricketers Association Chief Executive Officer. Thanks for having me on the show, guys. Enjoy the, enjoy the day. Thanks.